0: I'm joined today by Simon Mulvaney of Save the Bees Australia. Good morning, Simon. Morning, Piers. Now, it's an interesting program. I'm going through till two o'clock. I'm not sure that Simon's going to be able to stay until then. He might have to go and rescue a few bees out in the peninsula. But Simon's a regular contributor to Beyond Infinity. Which we'll find out on the 13th of April whether Simon Mulvaney is the next councillor for Nepean Ward on the Mornington Peninsula. The area that's covered in that ward is, uh, I think you mentioned, is uh, approximately from Porty up to Tutgaruk, That kind of area, yes. And, and that brings us on to where the spraying was going to get done too. And it so was... this was one of the issues which we were going to we're going to move on to. Yep. So the issues that you were campaigning on, well, one of them was was um, spraying for mosquitoes because of the problem with Baruli. and this is this uh, nasty kind of ulcerated sore that you can get if you get bitten by a mosquito. And the theory, and we we actually had some. Uh, Some pretty uh, clever people coming down and, uh, and talking to, well, both Simon and myself on air and at a town hall meeting, if you like, public meeting, which was packed, I remember, in Rye, where Simon was up on stage. Uh, kind of on the side of people who were concerned about spraying because that was one of the solutions being put out there. And then we also had a couple of scientists, leading scientists, who'd been studying uh, the Borule ulcers and outbreaks that had happened um, also on the Bellarine Peninsula, where it was originally, and then it spread over to the uh, the southern end of the Mornington Peninsula. One of those scientists was a guy by the name of uh, Tim Stenier, who's a professor at the Doherty Institute, He's in their department of Microbiology and Immunology. He was fascinating. He was good enough to uh, come in and speak to me along with a colleague of his where, uh, you know, they went into some depth about, about uh, you know the studies that have been done to confirm that mosquitoes really are very likely to be the, 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 uh, the way that uh, these boruli infections are transferring from the possum population. To humans, and so they talked about you know the merits or otherwise of spraying. But you got some good news because um, I think fairly recently you were saying you got contacted by Professor Tim Stunier, giving you some an update on the on the potential for spraying or otherwise.
1: Yeah, it it was great. There's there's several great things that have come out of this. The first one was the amount of Borrelia ulcers really dropped last year. They're not sure why. It might have been a seasonal thing where there were less mosquitoes. There might have been because less people out because of COVID. Um, but the, the the cases went down quite dramatically. Um, but there still are a few cases out there. But they also managed to get a lot of funding um, from the federal government to keep their study up. Mm-hmm. Um, but the best news for me was they have a new way of reducing the numbers of mosquitoes. And Tim wanted to make it clear it's not getting rid of mosquitoes completely it's just reducing the numbers of mosquitoes in certain areas Mm. and there's a trap system they use i think the traps filled with um some type of uh, yeast and and um, straw and it attracts the mosquitoes and and then they they die in the traps Um, and i did a bit of reading up on these traps and they're using him in the Philippines and other places where they have to control the mosquitoes for dengue fever and, um, and um, malaria and those other diseases. So um, it's really great that the study can continue. Um and um, no pesticides have to be used at all.
0: Yeah, that's that's that is good news because I think there were a lot of people, particularly at that that uh, meeting, uh, which was really packed. Probably about a couple of years ago now, uh, in Rye on that specific subject. And uh, I, I mean, I remember going and I could only get to the very back of the hall. It was it was jam packed. I think four or five hundred people turned up uh, to listen to experts, representatives from the shire, Port Phillip Shire and also uh, the scientists who were sort of saying, well, we need to do something about it, and talking about the way that the bacteria it is, it's, it's, it's a bacterial infection spread uh, from po- between possums, and there's lots and lots of possums, everyone knows that, they're, they're everywhere, uh, between possums, and then mosquitoes bite the possums, and then if those same mosquitoes bite humans... Uh, then you can have a transfer of, of, of Barooli and you wind up with these really nasty ulcerous sores. In fact, Barooli is named after an African river, uh, I think where it might have originated and somehow it wound up in Australia. It started off, it used to be called Bansdale ulcers, but they started in Australia uh, up around the Bansdale area and then they, some years ago, I think going back to the 1930s, uh, somehow they've switched over. They've wound up on the uh, Bellarine Peninsula, and then from there they, they crossed over and, and found their way onto the Southern Peninsula. But Baruli is actually quite similar in some ways to um, leprosy. It's got some similarities mm-hmm. uh, to the way the, um, the infection spreads on the skin, and, and you wind up with this uh, really hollowed out, quite nasty, and hard to treat requires a, quite a long course of really, really strong antibiotics to, uh, to get control of it.
1: Well, the doctors entered into the conversation a bit during the meeting on that topic and Mm. they said if they diagnose it early, Mm. they can treat it really quickly and efficiently. Mm -hmm. But a lot of um, GPs are misdiagnosing it and the worst cases were when people left the mornington peninsula with you know the ulcers and went to doctors and they
0: had no idea what, that, what it was yeah, yeah. so um, a lot of people come down of the mornington peninsula for holidays and stuff they might and there were examples of that actually who just you know literally come down for a weekend got bitten by mosquitoes uh, and then, you know, five or six months later, that's when they've realised they've got this uh, this nasty ulcer. So initially it just looks like a mosquito bite. So that's another reason why it'd be hard
1: to pick so, up. And the GPs were saying we just need a big marketing campaign to get to all the other GPs to tell them what they're looking for. And, um, and I think that has gone on a little bit. It was really great this, the way the community galvanised and all different sections of the community to find a better outcome than... Um, just um, spraying the whole joint. Yeah. Um, but one thing was remarkable I, I asked Tim about was how do they know that it came from possums and, and when, what happened? And he said their hypothesis was that a possum hitched a ride over the
0: car ferry and got here. Right, So yeah. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Or I guess I don't know whether this mosquitoes can can travel that far. Probably it'd be probably quite hard for a mosquito to travel that far. We had all these discussions about how do you how do you really make it effective because you know you've got this problem of, of still water. So and you've also got a lot of beach houses where people may not come down to their house apart from two or three weeks a year. If you've got a blocked gutter or you've got some leaves that have filled up your downpipes, then you've got this water sitting in the gutters. I mean I've got the same problem where I am, and. If you don't drain that out, then that is a perfect breeding ground for mosquitoes. And then if you've also got possums, which and possums are very widespread um, throughout the, the peninsula, as they are throughout really a lot of Australia. So you've got an ideal recipe. And I I'd actually discussed this with them, and I think it might have been raised at the the, council, the town hall meeting that was held in Rye, where, well, what do you do about this? And, and so even if you've sprayed, you've still got water sitting around and you might get rid of the flying. Mosquitoes, but you've got more that are breeding, and so when you, you smoke or the, the chemical that's being used to fumigate to kill the sort of live mosquitoes that are that are out there, um, you've also got the ability for them to be reproducing very, very quickly in any still water anywhere on the peninsula.
1: Yeah. So in in that way, I. Don't even think the scientists were saying that it was going to be the absolute solution. Mm. I think they were just trying to get the proof that the vector was a mosquito. Mm. There was, that wasn't going to be an effective solution um, doing the spraying at all. Yep. And you're right, one of the counsellors contacted me and he saw a, a correlation in the block drainage on the peninsula mm. and where people were getting the ulcers. Right. And so he, he said they did a massive cleanup of the drainage systems mm. and he, he thinks that's the reason why cases went down
0: yeah i mean a lot of the peninsula is very sandy particularly the southern end of it so water doesn't you can have a lot of rain and it won't stay in puddles on the ground for too long because you know the sand tends to just soak up the water so it's uh it's not a place where you get a lot of water necessarily accumulating sort of on roads i mean if you get enough rain it'll sit there might sit there for a few days but not for weeks and weeks but on the other hand, in gutters, you know, on the roofs of houses, which are pretty hard to check, and and I kind of asked them, well, how would you, how would you actually realistically be able to tackle that, you know, the breeding places that mosquitoes have? He sort of said, well, we'd have to have teams that go around and actually door knock, and and uh, you know, if someone if, if someone's there, then they ask permission and they go and empty the, you know, unblock their gutters and try to get rid of the the, the still water where they breed. It reminds me a little bit of Ross River fever and the like up in far north Queensland. In certain areas it's actually illegal to have like a, a dog's water bowl or outside your you know, your back door because mosquitoes can breed in that and it's such a problem. It's considered such a serious disease that, that you just can't have any water. We're avoidable, don't have any water sitting around near where people live. Well,
1: well Tim Stenier explained that they with those programmes they get great community sort of Mm. buy-in people really want to get into that reduction Mm. and um i i was a bit disappointed a campaign wasn't done in regards to that before Mm. Mm. because they actually did spray Mm. they sprayed four streets to to test out whether the trucks were going to be able to get down to do the whole peninsula or something Mm. and a lot of the people in those streets had no idea that their streets had been sprayed Mm. and um and so um yeah, look, uh, I, I ended up getting an apology from
0: Brett Sutton. Um, Who's the Victoria's Chief Medical Officer, who you he, caught up with, didn't you? Yeah, yeah
1: he caught up and um, and it was pretty interesting seeing him all over the news.
0: I, I hadn't, you know... Well, this was you caught up with him before, before. The, the pandemic began and he was in the news all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah and I, I did a bit of study before I met him. I'm, I'm always a bit suspicious of people in the government, um, mm-hmm. even though now I'm about to be maybe part of that, but... Um, <laughs> um, And um, I noticed he was a vegan and he was into meditation and things. And I thought, well, um, you know, it would be worth hearing what he had to say. And um, I was quite impressed with him when I met him.
0: Mm. Good, good. Um, All right, we're talking with Simon Mulvaney. He is um, potentially going to be a counsellor for the ward of Nepean. Uh, local government on the Mornington Peninsula. Uh, that's because the uh, the sitting member, uh, after literally only two or three months since he uh, was you know, returned to that position, uh, has decided to uh, resign. And uh, we might come back to the reasons, the possible reasons why. Uh, and also, I mean, and one of the reasons why Simon was so um, concerned about spraying is because he's a beekeeper he is concerned about the sort of ecology and, and not wiping out insects and so that was a, that was also a, a reason why Simon got heavily involved in that debate about spraying for Beruli So Simon's going to find out on the 13th of April whether he becomes a councilor or not and the incumbent the guy who resigned was Hugh Fraser Fraser okay and he's a, he's been, he's a he's been there for uh, several years so it is interesting that he's resigned and there may be some divisions in the council which which are behind that. Something that you've been involved in is 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 lobbying to get glyphosate, which is basically the common common ingredient in in Roundup, and a lot of people have used it for years to control weed. It's still used very widely in agriculture, uh, and one of the things that you've been quite successful in is getting that taken off supermarket shelves, uh, and also that other uh, sp- uh, bug spray comfidor uh, comfidor yes which is also quite bad and you you've found that that they're particularly bad for bees and for insect populations
1: yeah absolutely and and that was one of the the best things about being involved in save the bees australia is is seeing that product be recalled mm. willingly recalled from from woolworths and bunnings but um unfortunately the 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 roundup is still available and the glycopate products okay and then we, we've spoken it depth people can probably go back to the podcast there where we talk about the massive court case
0: and Yeah with and, capilano honey and, Oh yes. no and Bayer. Oh, well, and Bayer
1: got sued from because a lot of gardeners were coming up with cancer and a lot yeah. of farmers were coming up from cancer. And there they, was a
0: they, massive payout in America, wasn't there? Well, uh,
1: they, they've since done a huge billion multi I don't know if it's 23 billion to get out of the litigation that, that it was all booked up.
0: Because um, they bought it. they took over the, the sort of liability that the previous company that manufactured uh, roundup yeah. in america and and, uh, and they found that then they had this big payout of a, a grounds a groundsman i think or a guy who uh, worked using that chemical often in a public space like it was a park or uh, gardens of some description and he got cancer and uh and anyway i think his his um survivors sued and um and well he i think he
1: was still alive okay. to get the verdict okay. um and but it lesions a big pain it was was like hundreds of millions of dollars it was
0: was 23 million i think or no it could have been a hundred it was more i think it was in in the hundreds it was it was a big payout anyway and so it's just highlighted for everyone and uh the the importance uh, and the and the risks involved with some of these these chemicals that we all just take for granted and and you know are very widely used uh and This sort of leads me to, you know, one of the great successes that Simon Mulvaney, uh, who's joining me in the studio today, has had is that he's he's managed to harness social media. And you mentioned off-air that, you know, trying to run a campaign for a a, a position as a councillor amid the pandemic so the actual you know the the uh, the, the build up to it might have been in uh, you know i think the results were were announced in november but the actual campaign and and the and the and the um, actual election was happening during lockdown we were still in lockdown in victoria that that very hard stage 4 lockdown which controversially also applied on the mornington peninsula not just in in melbourne as well as the yarra valley a lot of the yarra valley was all considered part of melbourne so kind of areas that are you know almost rural or semi rural uh, were bound up in that in that big lockdown. Uh, so just well, a little it, bit of a night. No, if of a I no,
1: get in, that would be one of the things I'm looking at. Definitely. Is re- re- making it regional, making, defining yeah. the peninsula regional. And seeing why on earth, what advantage is not being re- uh, regional. Mm. Uh, I know one of the small elements um, is people studying here um, in Melbourne, they, they don't get the same type of support as someone from Geelong gets. Right. And so you know from a similar distance or i can only see positives in us becoming regional yeah um so far so yeah
0: i mean for anyone who doesn't know uh, where, where the, the, the P- mornington peninsula is about i don't know like a 40 minute drive 45 minute drive from melbourne cbd on the freeway And uh, I mean, it is unbroken, you know, Melbourne is a big city, and it does spread right around the bay in a pretty much unbroken way. But the Southern Peninsula, which is where the uh, the Ward of Nepean is, is more like, you know, 80 or 100 kilometres from uh, by road from Melbourne CBD. So, you know, to call that sort of part of the city, I mean, again, Melbourne is a big city, and it's very spread out. But that was something that was quite controversial. So interesting that you're taking that on. Uh, Just Tell me a little bit about how, you know, so you couldn't, during the lockdown, you're trying to, trying to campaign. How do you do that when you're in lockdown and, and you can't do your normal face-to-face, you know, um, meet and greet, all those sort of things that you might normally have done? If you run as a candidate, you get access to the electoral roll
1: with everyone's addresses. Mm-hmm. And so the can- candidates that have some funding behind them, they can afford to send everyone a direct letter. And um, I noticed Hugh did that. Um, I think he, that, that would have been um, over 10,000 letters that you'd have to send out. So quite a bit of expense involved in doing that, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, some people put ads in the local paper. I fortunately, I guess, had my social media audience. Um, a lot of people who are from the Mornington Peninsula follow the page
0: and what is that page just
1: at Save the Bees Australia um, on Instagram and Facebook yep I think we're I've got 56,000 on Instagram and I've got 100,000 on on Facebook that read the page right
0: and you've used that over the years to, to, to do various things I mean to, to crowdfund legal costs to spread awareness about the possibility of you know gassing the peninsula or spraying, you know widespread smoking or you know released uh, release of chemicals into the environment from the back of trucks to combat boruli so various issues that you've been concerned about uh, you've been pretty successful in using social media and so so again I presume you you've levered that same following to get support for your candidate. To for this,
1: yeah, that so I, I didn't spend any money on the campaign, but I, you might remember a few years ago I ran in the state election too. So yeah, tell um, us,
0: tell us, and just just let remind listeners you came, you, you actually took about what was it three or four percent of the vote?
1: Yeah, I took four percent of the vote, and it was one of the closest elections I think in the history of Victoria, and for the first time, probably because I ran for the first time in um, over a hundred years, the Labor. Um, member Chris Brain got up and um, he 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 thought it was such a long shot that he would actually get in that he was booked to go overseas and ended up um, doing a four-year term instead. He, he's he been great actually. He, he came around to my house the other week and asked me about any of the concerns I might have and it's great even if you don't win that you've got the year of these decisions makers now mm. so that's good. Yeah. But one of the great things that I, uh, I, that happened over that period too when we had those shocking bushfires, um, I managed to use the page to raise over $60,000, I you? think. I the, think it was so 80, so About a year ago when we end. had
0: those really bad bushfires up the whole of... Well, a lot of the east, uh, southeast corner of Australia was on fire, huge amounts of national park and private farmland and stuff all went up in smoke. You know, they were rescuing people uh, by boat. The Navy was rescuing people mm. rather than get, try to get out by road. Or And by, they you know, say that's... over
1: 100,000 hives got burnt in, right. in that and th- even the fires went to Kangaroo Island mm. and um, it was a really wonderful position I actually felt, found myself in where mm. there was all these beekeepers I've become friends with over the last decade and i could see them suffering and and thinking oh my god what, what are they going to do and i was um it's probably only a small token but i managed to be able to give them some some beekeepers ten thousand dollars and and other beekeepers um you know a, a couple of thousand even if they lost two or
0: three hives did you work out a, how the money was distributed is, is how did it work yeah well uh, they donated it to you and you distributed well
1: it It was um i I actually there was a girl Anna from amber drop honey who lost hives in the fire herself and i asked her because she was in the area i said it was probably going to be more authentic that um if, if if we get her to speak up and and um work out who gets the money and so forth and she she was amazing and i thought um she should she would have taken a few a uh, bit of money for her losses, hmm. but um, she didn't take any of the money. But it's a really wonderful person. Yeah. But the sad that brings us to the sad fact now that these same beekeepers that have um, lost
0: everything in the fires are now losing. And and we'll come to that. I um, I want to um, actually we're gonna we're gonna listen to a bit of music and before the uh, news at the top of the hour and then we'll come back and Simon will tell us, uh, you know, literally from. You know, I think there's a there's a there's a famous poem which uh, which we should look up and try to, to quote. But it's uh, you know the the the, uh, the sunburnt country with uh, you know with floods and bushfires and this incredible contrast of of climate. And so from last year, just from one year ago, basically when we had terrible bushfires uh, that devastated a lot of the the country and people lost lives and property and and uh, you know it was really a, a very dire situation. Uh, huge insurance claims, and and now uh, almost almost a year, exactly a bit over a year, we've got you know a hundred year flood in a flood event where I think I was hearing that it was a dam that was was uh, releasing water on a per hour basis. It was a it was it was an, I think it was one of the main water storage um, supplies for Greater Sydney, uh, just to the north of the city I think, or west west of the city, and and the amount of water per hour was uh, the same as the volume of sydney harbour yeah, you know so unbelievable amounts of water so we'll, we'll come to that because i think that's a really important conversation to have and and you know to drum up some some awareness um of, of, among people further south who haven't fortunately been as affected uh there will i'm sure be charity drives to uh to support people who need help um so uh we might uh, we'll come back to that but uh, I've been talking with Simon Mulvaney of Save the Bees Australia. He is uh, hoping to be a councillor for the ward of Nepean on the Mornington Peninsula. Uh, results will be known on the on 13th of April, so we'll keep abreast of that. And if you were wanting to hear longer interviews with Simon Mulvaney about Baruli, about his campaign against Capilano Honey, his efforts to to ensure truth in advertising, to make sure that people knew what they were getting if they bought honey from supermarket chains, that kind of stuff. There's a lot of Simon's done over the years. With me on this program, you can access it all on interviews on our program website beyondinfinity.com.au and you can also go to Simon's Instagram and Facebook handles which are
1: um, Save the Bees Australia, just mm-hmm. at Save the Bees Australia, but the website's www.bthecure.com.
0: Okay. So lots of different ways you can catch up on those earlier interviews on uh, various issues that Simon's done. You're listening to Beyond Infinity. 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 Thanks for
1: listening. Remember to visit our program website, beyondinfinity.com.au, where you'll find our complete back catalogue of over 600 podcasts. That's beyondinfinity.com.au.